talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the Wow. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Retails Podcast. I am your host, the Walls of Sorry, and with me to my left is Achi. Hello. And sitting to the right of me is my brother Josh. Yep. And today we are going to be going back in time to talk about ancient warrior and ancient warrior classes. Warrior. Come out and play. But today we are going to be sticking to the Far East. And today, right now, Archie's going to take us to China. Fun fact, I actually learned Chinese in high school. Did you? Yeah. Can you, can you, can you speak it now? I, I know, like, just the very bare basics. Just the words. curse words? Nah, I wish. Oh. <laughs> I know beer is PGL. Of course. How do you say slurp on my nuts? <laughs> I was gonna say something, but it's gonna sound super racist. So then, uh, uh, well, uh, but yeah. I get, I can say like, "Hello, good morning, what's your name?" I'm pretty sure my brother Think knows how to say "slip on my nuts" in Greek. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just might, <laughs> and fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, fun fact. Anyways, China. So when I looked up ancient warriors of China, I thought mm-hmm. I was gonna see like photos, and videos, and literature on kind of like barbaric nomads. Who resembled that of the armies of Kangas Khan. But the more I read, the more I saw that the, it's kind of far from the truth. In fact, most of the warriors of ancient China started as typical civilians who were kind of forced by their emperors to fight on their behalf and present themselves as the powerful forces not to be reckoned with. Generals were those who were of a higher intellect. So these were like doctors, teachers, all... All the people who know stuff about stuff. Yeah, so those are the generals? generals. Those are the generals. Those are the generals. Yeah, because yeah. back then, then people- they were called national armies, mm-hmm. not standing armies. Mm-hmm. What uh-huh. we have is a standing army, which is which is which is people who are whose jobs is to be military. Mm-hmm. Standing army. That's what we have. Mm-hmm. National armies, like, oh shit, we're going to war. Everybody, pick up your pick up your shit and let's go to war. And the the people who were in charge were like I just said, they were like the doctors, the barbers. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and those are the generals. Cause, nice. Yeah. Because, you know, they knew how to read. Yeah, that's it. So you will be a general, huh? Technically. I'm going to fuck up my army for sure. <laughs> this is So this is literally... <laughs> Everyone fight in sync. <laughs> if you're not doing it right, do it again. Reset. So this is literally the epitome of, quote-unquote, learning on the job. Even Damn. though, through much trial and error, China ended up becoming one of the largest military empires that holds the largest active military to this day which is right around 2.2 million personnel ready to just go at will damn not like the reserves not people who are like just ready to go we need to go to war we got 2.2 million people ready to go you know who's second to that i was i was shocked Hmm. i think it was thailand what the whole fucking island the whole Everyone's getting ready to throw putazos at a woman's notice? Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. Well, they're saying China's ready to invade Taiwan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're ready but to invade. But not Thailand, though. Thailand. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, right, yeah. maybe they're just getting ready. Like, fuck, we might yeah, be next. Let's fucking one. do this shit. Damn, 2.2? 2.2 million. Bro. Ready to go. Ready to go. Right for the fuck. Aputazos. But, yeah, but it's like 2.2 like of me. You know what I mean? Which what do like, you mean? What does that mean? Well, it's like 2.2 soldiers, right? Like, it's soldiers. But, the like, no one fights with soldiers anymore. You know, it's usually tanks, missiles. Oh, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? I see what you mean. And that's actually going to jump into the later on in the segment. Uh, so it's funny that you brought that up. So first before, uh, what I want to go ahead and talk about are what are Chinese warriors. Some of the Chinese, famous Chinese warriors that were of ancient China. So one thing that was fucking interesting about this is that throughout much of the time when China was kind of building up, there was a lot of fucking civil wars, dude. Like, it was literally just China against China for a long period of time. Until eventually it became what it is now. And through this time, there were some really important figures that were prominent that kind of helped push this kind of eventual unification of China. And one of those persons, or one of these people, were Xiang Yu. And Xiang Yu was a certified badass rebel leader whose signature move was to fight with twin daos. And twin daos are basically like these twin swords that, if you see like, I guess like Aladdin, you know those kind of swords that's like it, it, it curves out and it's really huge at the yeah. end. He has two of those, oh, and that's, that's how he fucking fights. So he led his army to overthrow the Qin Dynasty of uh, 207 BCE. Him along with Emperor Gaozu, uh, which and let ended becoming the next Han Dynasty. As strong-willed as he and his army was, unfortunately, to his demise. He was not as charismatic as Gao Zhu, which is his partner who ended up becoming the emperor, and gained a huge following of the common people. And Xiang Yu and his military were ambushed and overwhelmed by Gao Zhu's personal military, and that Zhang Yu decided to take his own life versus being captured by Gao Zhu. So these guys were homies. He didn't like that this guy was as powerful as he was and was kind of afraid that he was going to be the next emperor so before that even happened he's like you know what let me convince a common folk to fight for me be part of my military and take over this guy and that seems to be a common trait with a lot of these warriors that i that I'm talking about the next one is bai ki and bai ki was a military general who earned the name ren tu which means human butcher and during the warring states period bai ki Participated and led over 70 battles and lost none. Holy shit. And it said that over 2 million people were killed during this time. And that Bai Qi was solely responsible for 1 million of those. He himself, he himself destroyed wrecked 1 million. 1 million people. And one thing that was notable about Bai Qi is that he took no prisoners. Anyone captured, he would Sounds immediately like be killed. Would that number count? Yeah. This fucking achievement hunter trying to go for a million kills <laughs> and not many chinese emperors agreed with his tactics but hey Word. they couldn't say anything to him because he got the job done however soon enough his luck would run out the emperor of qin shi huang ordered bai qi and his armor army to invade the states of zhao and for not obliging to this agreement because bai qi was not feeling so well at that time asked Emperor Qi to sit it out. Instead, he was fucking pissed and sent him out anyways. 
And so he got killed. His army got fucking ambushed. And it was a total fucking hey, Yo, son, I'm going to need you to fuck up Zao. You know what, dude? Love to. You know, I got the corona. I'm not feeling so good. I don't give a fuck what you got. Go take out Zao. Dude, look, I'm not feeling so Look, <coughs> I'm feeling so Bro, go take out <laughs> Zao. Sick. And he went and go take out Zao. And what happened? Zao ended up taking him out. Yeah. He got fucked up. I mean, he's 70 and old, bro. He hasn't lost. Well, 71. Yeah, 70 and one now, but damn. He was like, nah, go. Get fucked, nerd. He was like, fuck that. If you can can win 70 battles, you could go out when you're feeling (laughs) sick. I'm pretty sure he had the runs. That's the only way you're going to lose. If you had the runs, you're taking a deuce after every kill. (sighs) Every swing. (sighs) He just shed himself into dehydration. <laughs> uh, he's, he couldn't see straight. He couldn't... He's like, fuck. R.I.P. We got another one. Uh, UFA. Known for the military success and high ethical standards, he has been one of China's most celeb- celebrated warriors because uh, he was a strong symbol of loyalty. And at one point, he couldn't choose fighting... Or couldn't choose between fighting his for his country or taking care of his mother. And he has this highly strategic military, or he was this highly strategic military general, whose small army of 500 men would easily be able to defeat armies twice or even three times their size. Unlike many many of his military predecessors, he made sure that his men were always well taken care of. Any rewards given to him would be split up with his men who fought. And if one of his men became injured, he will be the one who would personally administer first aid or provide medicine too. And if any of his men died, he would make sure that his families were well taken care of. But of course, with China's history of jealousy and betrayal amongst people of power, the same happened to UFA. Other generals warned emperors uh, of UFA's charisma and believing that UFA would turn the military against the emperors and would become too powerful. And so the emperor sent out military hitmen to kill UFA, and unfortunately enough, succeeded. succeeded. Bro, imagine having an army, specifically a general, so fucking good that you start to become scared that he's gonna take over your job. Think, yo, this dude's doing too good of a job. I need to take his ass out. And like he he was like the best of both worlds. He was a fucking fighter, but also he was like Who's a mommy loan, bro? You said he couldn't choose his country or his mom. He, he cared about he he cared about his community, you know. Care about his mama. And he cared about his mama. He was but, but what what mama his mom said. <laughs> what his mom was but, to but, him. That's but. what he was to his army. True. He was true. He, he was the mama bird to his army. True. true. He got hurt. He'd heal you. You die. He'd take care of your family. Hey, hey, Santa, Santa, Santa. Shh, 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 shh. Don't fight. Don't fight. Imagine you're in the battle. You're like trying to scream, and he just puts his finger on your lips. Just, I got you. Instant heals <laughs> you. Oh shit! I'm feeling better already. How the fuck? And then last but not least... That story will go a little south if you yeah, know, it's careful. Romans. Yeah. Careful. Well, we will talk about that later. <laughs> Carefully. Last person I want to talk about that this one, I think, made the biggest contribution to the whole style of fighting a military was none other than uh, Sun Tzu. Creator of the book known as The Art of War, which was a military strategy book still used to this day. This book explains tactics on how to defeat one's enemy, and it's kind of like a how to be a military badass for dummies. Not only 
that, but some people have used this book to help them in everyday life situations, like, for example, getting your dream career. Bro, the, the art of Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War, is every hood motherfucker's Bible that turns them from being hood to like being like this woke mobster. Like, that's yep. every hood yep. motherfucker's like, yep. like, he won't, you, if you are hood, you cannot level up unless you read yep. the fucking the art, the of, art war. of War. Yep, yep, yep. And here's some of his famous quotes. Some of them you probably have heard. Attack is a secret of defense. And defense is a planning of an attack. Never venture, never win. Be where your enemy is not. To know your enemy, you must become your enemy. He will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. He was, he, he was literally the epitome of smi- fight smarter, not harder. Basically. Yeah. Because everyone just jump in, fucking balls deep. Let's see what the fuck is going to go down. Versus, no, 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 wait, wait. Let him fuck up first. Then we'll jump in. Let him tire him out. Let let him tire himself out. And you kick him in the day. So I talked about a few military badasses. Now there's a freaking whole community of just warriors that were part of ancient China. And they were known as the Wuhan people. And this is from a book called uh, Later Han and it said this the Wuhan are skilled in mounted archery they engage in hunting animals and birds they're nomadized from the place to place and search for grass and water without permanent settlements they live in round round yurts and the entrance of the yurt faces the sun they eat meat and drink kumis they make clothes for fine wool Youthfulness and strength are held in esteem among them with old age and weakness are not. They are brave and valorous by nature. In anger, they'll kill each other, but nobody harm harms mothers because the continuation of their progeny depends on their mothers. Fathers and elder brothers, on the other hand, can create their own separate tribes. So the original tribe does not bear responsibility for them. Whoever is brave, strong, and able to deal uh, with contentious cases of litigation are chosen to be elders the office of elder is not hereditary each nomadic community has its own commander a community is composed of a hundred to of a hundred to a thousand yurts when an elder makes a proclamation they carve markings on the wood even though they have no script and none tribes dare to violate it so these people are just like this is a way of life Basically. And it's not like, oh, it doesn't matter what your family's coming from. You have to earn your title. Mm-hmm. It's nothing's going to be given mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. It's like the best. All right. Yeah. I can see why. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about bringing up what Moses was saying. That there's a... There's a... Chinese were fucking smart, dude. They're smart innovators. And they knew... So yeah, they invented the Hadouken. Get the fuck out of here. They knew that in order for them to fight smart... Instead of having just hand-to-hand combat, just tassels all the way through, they're like, no, 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 no. let's Go do. Super Saiyan. Let, let's let's do our let, let let's have our inventions do the work for us. And so, one of the main reasons the Chinese were on top of their military game at the time was because of how technologically advanced they were when it came to military weaponry. And this is why no one wanted to fuck with the Chinese, and also because they were kind of too busy fucking each other up. With all the civil words, but besides the fact. So for starters, let's talk about what they were actually wearing. 
And so the armor they had was known as uh, Lameller armor, which for starters, it had, they had their own armor that was kind of a little bit beyond their time. Now, in your opinion, asking you guys, what makes good armor? What do you think is like what you need to have good armor? The, uh, I think that I think that question depends on what the armor is for. Like, if you want armor because you're going to be an agile, like, if you're going to be like an agile, mm-hmm. where you're not going to be, where you just want to protect p- protect yourself just in case you get hit. Yeah. Like, your, your job is not to go into battle and fight, but you're going to be in the battle trying to do some mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, the movement. Okay. Movement. So, like, your armor is not just, like, one piece, but maybe, like, four or five pieces. Right. So you're not like going out in a fucking yeah, so you're not encumbered, night type yeah. of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, all yeah. stiff and fuck. Yeah, so you, okay. a light armor. Okay. Or if you're going to be the tank, heavy armor. Okay. Yeah. So I, depe- guess, so I guess it depends on what the job is. Let, uh-huh. let, let me give you guys some more input. Back to what you said. You need something that, since you're, you're going to be walking for most of the time, She's maybe light. the light armor. What right. do you think? Yeah. Light armor also? Light armor. Right. And that's, that's what they're thinking also. They want something that's light enough. That they could have all these movements. They can maneuver themselves. They're not going to be tired themselves out after just walking a couple of feet. But also something strong enough that could withstand some sort of fucking impact. And so this is what that armor was. It can withstand as many deadly blows as it can. But it needs to be light enough that you don't wipe yourself out. Carrying hundreds of pounds of metal shielding. So the Chinese came up with what's called uh, lamellar armor. And this armor was a combination of leather and metal platelets. And it had the strength of the steel plates, but it had the movability of having that leather. So it's not, it's enough so where you could stretch, bend, and do all that stuff. They also had caps and helmets, uh, which were just extra protection. It was nothing fancy. It was just a simple color for your head that the Chinese needed. And now for weaponry, Chinese would carry any combination of swords, shields, and bows. However... At the beginning, most of the Chinese warriors were not highly skilled killers, but instead farmers or villagers that were enlisted as the civil wars went on. So instead, they look into inventing one of the most devastating weaponry of the time. Starters, they invented the crossbow. So the Chinese thought long and hard to see what they would create and give them a hiding advantage over the enemies. They wanted something that can ca- cause severe damage without uh, a much with, with much high with a high rate of hit accuracy but without putting their warriors at such a close distance in front of their enemies so the crossbows were used there wasn't much diffic- difficulty in hitting your target and there wasn't much skill that was needed like what you would need uh, being a typical having a typical archery bow and arrow and also with improvement of metalworking through the Han Dynasty the arrows became stronger and sharper and would easily be able to impel anyone, even with the Lamar armor with good accuracy. It's because of this invention that led to the most insane weaponry that I think were the main reasons why Europeans and other surrounding countries uh, did not want to pick a fight with China. So one of the inventions they came up with was the triple crossbow. So the triple crossbow was this 25-foot-long behemoth made that made the hand crossbow look like a measly scale model in comparison the triple crossbow was able to hold three 10 foot long arrow tip arrows that can shoot out as far as a whopping 5280 feet which is 
a mile long. That's how far these arrows can shoot out to. That's 10 feet long? And it's 10 feet long. What, what are they fucking hunting? Dragons? Sounds like it. Fucking smog? What the fuck is... Well, yeah, that's what they had on the Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah. Fucking... Yeah. Because... And not Shit. only that, but it took 10 men to operate this damn thing. I couldn't find a picture of them showing 10 men, but there was like, like five of them. And each of them literally having something to do with the fucking thing. Each one, was, each one of those five men is the size of the mountain. <laughs> and to finish it off, apparently this thing was mobile enough that you can move it from one station to another. So if your enemies were starting to shoot you from behind, have no fear because this triple crossbow will spear your ass in moments notice. Next up, we have the flamethrower. What? Now, did you know that flamethrowers have been invented as far back as 900 AD? Now, if you did, then you're a serious history buff. But if you didn't, don't worry, because I'm right there with you, because I didn't fucking know that either. I didn't know that either, but it makes sense as far as, like, the first weapon. There you go. We can invent it. So, the Chinese created the Panquakui, which translates to... The fi- fucking flamethrower. <laughs> the, chi- the fire... The of a dragon. The, sp- the fire spraying device or the fire spraying machine. That sounds good. Whack. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? It's Pride Month, so it sounds gay. <laughs> wow. So this basically looks like a and missile it. rocket perched on top of a rectangular wooden box. As if it looked like as if it was a collectible or something. And the box held all the fuel needed to spray your in- enemies and was able to reach as far as 60 feet. Damn. I do have to add, however, that the invention was actually influenced by ancient Greece. The Greeks? The Greeks. Yeah. Now, moving forward, we have the 100 Missile Launcher. Wait, what the fuck did you just say? The 100 Missile Launcher. 100 Missile Launcher. 100. 100s. Million dollars. Yes. So, ancient China was in love with efficiency and wanted to up the ante, apparently. They decided to put their crossbow weapon... On steroids, which is basically the predecessor to the modern-day rocket launcher. During the Ming Dynasty, there was much experimentation with guns, with, uh, with gunpowder, and so cr- and thus created the hundred missile launcher. And this was basically a large forward-facing box with wheels, and it contained a hundred arrows that, when lit, would shoot out this massive barrage at any oncoming army. It's like, have you ever seen those movies that, that like, I don't know, it's like China or, or I think China. There's like a war and then you see a bunch of people showing, like throwing a freaking, a bunch of crossbows and you see this huge wave of just crossbows yeah. coming at yeah. you. That was just what this machine did, basically. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that it's that era. I mean, that they're doing that. Because remember, we talked about it in one of our episodes, The Dumbest Ways to Die. Mm-hmm. Remember remember our, our my boy Juan who who strapped a bunch of rockets to his oh, yeah. fucking Try to get to the moon. Try to get to the moon. His and butler or, or his butler's like, he made it. He, <laughs> he made disappeared it. just because he fucking blew himself up. shattered up. up. What, uh, it happened during that time yeah. where they're all mm-hmm. fucking. Well, yeah, it makes sense. We'll see a bunch of missiles going in the air. Yeah. He's like, that's pretty high. I, I can go higher. R.I.P. That, that, was, that was their whole technology. If only he knew, bro. R.I.P. Man, where's that time traveler at, bro? Now, That's you, Moses. Now you got to build a time machine and warm. Hey, do you know how time machines actually work? No, I. That's no, I don't. Theoretically, you can't go back in time. But a, a time machine only works from when the time machine was invented moving forward. Ah. So if the time machine was invented today... A thousand years from now, 
the furthest date back they could go back to is today. Well, duh, because the then how the fuck are you going to exactly, come back? Exactly. Or go back? Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, that, that should... I mean, in movies, they made it seem like... Oh, let's go back and see and fucking then, dinosaurs. Then, fuck. And then you go back and literally you with the damn time machine. Yeah. I mean, first of all, no one would want to go that back to see dinosaurs. How? What? What? Am I the only one who would want to see how T Rex is gonna fuck? I'm yeah, probably. But sadly, want- no. Sadly, no. No, no. Oh, sadly, no, no. there's there's people out there. Yeah, they're called scientists. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> and, but you're not a scientist, mo- Moses. If Moses thought about it. Someone else has also thought about it. I see that. I see. It's that. called science, bro. I'm doing it for science. No, you're not. You're <laughs> doing it for science. strictly for science. He's, he's gonna record that shit, put it on his fucking OnlyFans. Science. Fucking. <laughs> that is science. Fu- fucking for science. But you know, I'm still not gonna make fucking a quarter of what that one chick made with soda bath water. Can we move on from downstairs fucking? <laughs> yeah, my brother wants to get and to. And you call me. Yeah, I wanna get to my segment, bro. <laughs> I wanna get to buff men fucking. Buff men fucking. <laughs> so we're still following the theme of ex- explosives and arrows. We now have the dragon rocket. What? The Chinese were the first to invent a multi-stage rocket. Have you ever seen the animated movie Milan? Then you know which one I'm talking about. That's a thing? Mm-hmm. That actually was a real thing. Looks like this large, crazy artillery firework with the head of and a tail of a dragon, but way more dangerous. The rocket had multiple chambers to hold pow- powder and shrapnel that would spray on impact. And to make matters worse, it also had dynamite sticks attached to the sides. And lastly, it had an, a bunch of arrows put into its mouth that will shoot out at the same time when it gets shot out into the air. So it gets shot out to the air. The arrows disperse wherever it lands. Pfft, explosion. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And because of all of this, you know, it only made sense... For them to also invent hand grenades and mines. I mentioned earlier the Chinese knew how to work with gunpowder. So without a doubt or reason, they also created various types of bombs which included hand grenades and mines. Much like the modern day explosives that we see today, they work very much in the same way with not only the explosion being deadly, but also if you're anywhere near the initial impact, you might also still be killed by flying shrapnel that would explode on impact. You couldn't mess with the Chinese on land, but you also can't mess with them in the sea. The Chinese were known to have the most massive and sophisticated ships, some reaching as long as 400 feet. And this was about three times bigger than that of the European ships. The most notable one is by the Chinese Admiral Jung Hu, whose ship was huge, and I'll be posting up a picture on our uh, Instagram Weird History Ear Tales podcast, Ear Tales Pod, to compare how fucking massive this ship was to the European explorers who invaded the Americas. And now, last but certainly not least, we have the unmanned chariot crossbow, sometimes referred to as the Chariot of Fire. And the story goes that the Han Dynasty was trying to take over the Lingling district, but they were heavily outnumbered by the civilian militaries who were fighting. Commander Liang Shuang invented a deadly chariot 
that didn't require anyone to drive it. It had automatic crossbows and was steered by horses whose tails were set on fire. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. Damn. And these horses would drive straight to fucking enemy territory with this fucking chariot that's just shooting arrows everywhere. Just fucking spraying. Spraying. And if you didn't die by the crossbows, you certainly were trampled to death by the horses. Even if the opposing forces were able to kill the horses before reaching their final destination, there was no certainty of life with arrows still shooting everywhere from its chariot. Fucking man. And these were some of the most deadly weapons from ancient China. So when it comes to cultures being rich in legends, characters, mythology, and longevity, Japanese culture has to be amongst the few that are worthy to mention, with it having one of the most interesting histories in the world, which is precisely why I'm dabbling in Japanese culture for today's episode, mainly zeroing on its most famous warrior class, the Samurai. The Samurai. A fucking legacy that has endured for literally hundreds of years. From the Bushido to the Seppuku, the influence of these warriors would go on to shape Japan. But before we go talking about their codes of conduct, let's go back to the very beginning and see who the samurai were and how they came to leave their mark on the nation's history. So before 792, Japan had a national army, which is what I was mentioning earlier when we were talking about Chinese, mm -hmm. which is different from a standing army which is usually what we think of when we think of an army. Japan basically had a nationwide militia, a militia made up of able-bodied men ranging from the ages of 20 to 59, who lived a life of normalcy until they were called 20 upon. 20 to 59? So that was, if you were for 20 to 59, you're fighting. Damn. Imagine it being you're almost call. your birthday. and then you, you turn 60 next month. You're about, you're about to turn 60 next month. They're like, nope, nope. Yeah, get dressed to war. And the reason why they did this was because this was a cost-effective way of having an army and not paying an arm and a leg for it. Because you would only use it if they were needed. Mm -hmm. Nobles from wealthy families, they were also drafted. Nobody was safe. No one. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. You could pay me however much want yeah. you want. But if you had access to money, you were able to have access to horses and military training, which then gave you or whoever was being drafted the chance of becoming horseback archers, which was, I guess, the safer position. Mm -hmm. But in the year 792, the emperor entered the national army. The threat of Chinese invaders wasn't really a thing anymore because, like you said, the Chinese had their own internal thing going on. They were just fighting against They're themselves. Like, mm. So Japan's like, all right, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Plus... There was a lot of problems with the model of their national army. For one, there was almost little to no loyalty amongst the troops. People would often dodge the draft or become deserters. And even then, those who did stay, they would only be forced to be trained for a month. And Damn. then they would go back to living their normal life. Mm -hmm. So even their militia, their army wasn't even that professional. Mm -hmm. And then another reason why it was such a piece of shit 
thing was because governors were using the militia for non-military purposes. So governors were starting to use the, mili the military personnel as their own personal bodyguards and workers. A huge percentage of the army that was being used on any given day was being used for farming and other personal expenses. So the government got smart and they said, okay, we're going to have an army, but we're going to be serious about this. So they started placing the emphasis on those with actual military training, like the horse archers that I just mentioned not too long ago. So the government created new titles and took to actually paying these soldiers whenever they were needed. So it was in the 1800s that a new class of warriors was born. So social status and rank have always been close to family to family lines and rising up the social ladder. And when you're born outside of these family lines, it was near impossible to gather to, you know, pick yourself up and reach the higher hierarchy of social status. That's how it is in almost any culture. If you are from an important family, you have and you have money, it's easy to climb the social ladder. If you're poor and don't and your name isn't important, you're basically probably going to stay poor and die poor. And that was how Japan was until this new warrior class was born. Because now if you had access to horse and, and armor, you could climb the social ladder up into the upper echelons of society without belonging to these noble bloodlines, titles and lands and favors that were awarded to the best warriors. And this new class of warrior that would make its name known through her heroism in battle was the samurai which literally translates to one who serves. Damn. So becoming a trained samurai was a very profitable thing at the time, since more and more people owned private lands. There was need to hire people to protect the land, but there were more opportunities if you didn't want to be a glorified security guard if you were a samurai, because a samurai could find work assisting in tax collecting, fighting and capturing bandits, stop rebellions, becoming bodyguards, and even becoming police in, in cities. Sometimes cities were too poor. They didn't have official police. So they just grabbed. So just samurai. Grab, hired a samurai? Well, samurais would go to these people. And I'm like, you know what? We'll be the police. You just pay us whatever. And we're here. And no one's going to fucking fight a samurai. But all right. The samurai is the fucking police in, in our city. He's a sheriff. He's a town sheriff. The sheriff's in town, boys. Yeah. So while many were out finding jobs, a few samurai saw the benefit of banding together and forming gangs of samurai. No. These warlords, they were able to attract new samurais by promising them, promising them to get richer and offering them other personal gains they might want or need. Eventually, gangs started banding together to advance their power and influence. Basically, samurais, they eventually just formed a union. In the beginning, as these armies of samurais looked for powers and favors, by taking positions supporting high and ranking nobles in the capital. So before, if a governor wanted to hire somebody, they could hire private armies or whatever. Mm. But instead, a bunch of samurais are like, you know what? Let's just get, get together and start taking all these fucking jobs. And all the jobs will come to us. And then our fucking gang of samurais will become rich. And the more land we have, the more money we have, the more powerful we will become. So at first, samurais banding together and growing the military power might have seemed like a bad idea for the government to allow for it to happen. But it wasn't, at least in the beginning. These gangs of samurai would compete for titles 
with other gangs and sought the recognition of the more powerful clans in the imperial court. So samurai gangs were like, we want to work for the top of the top people. We're tired of working for just rich people in cities. Let's get enough power so now governors were hired, people in the in the court were hired, so now we could work for the actual emperor. We want to work for the emperor and not these people because we work for the emperor. They're going to give us titles that everybody except everybody below him is going to have to kiss our ass. And that's what we want. And that's what they were doing. So during this time period, if a samurai acted unruly and selfishly, the same, their own gang would label them treasonous for acting against the ruling class. And then they would give titles and powers to other samurais if they would go after and kill this offender. So the samurai were policing themselves at the beginning. Like if someone was getting too greedy and wanted to do shit that was kind of looking illegal, that hey bro, you're gonna fuck it up for the rest of us. Get the fuck out. Achi, you know what? I know you're just gonna start a family soon. If you take this motherfucker out, I'm gonna give you the land that's up on the hill and it's gonna be yours with a house. Go take his ass out. Damn. So they were looking out for each other and they were kind of keeping each other in check. Right, right. In the beginning. Oh. Only beginning. But all this changed to fuck it up. When the Minamoto clan rose to power during the Genpei War and established the Minamoto clan as Japan's official military force. And were they were they made out of samurai? There was a samurai clan. Oh. So they made it all the way to the top and they're like, you know what? Don't even bother with anybody else. You don't need a military. You got we us. are the military. We're the military. So what they wanted at first, these fools achieved. Yep. Damn. And all of this happened when Minamoro no Yoritomo appointed himself Shogun. And basically, Shogun is the next person below basically the fucking king or like the emperor. Oh, shit. And it was during this time period, specifically under the Minamoto rule, that we see a continued increase in the importance of the samurai, cl of the samurai class. So it was when his, when his clan became the clan, the the military force, that's when we start seeing the class of samurai prosper the most. Because everyone's like, oh shit. If if a poor person's like, dude, if a if all I need, if, if a samurai could become the biggest dick in all of Japan, and all you need is a horse to become a fucking samurai and train your ass off, that gave everybody an opportunity to become a samurai. And that's what happened. A lot of a lot of poor people became rich through just becoming samurai. They skipped the whole working your life, be hopefully having a house. And they're like, fuck that. I'm gonna get on a horse and I'm gonna kill motherfuckers and I'm gonna kill them real fucking good. They're gonna have to respect me. And as a lot of people did, they skipped a lot of shit just by becoming samurai. But and who would pay them? So it was like people, rich people, like rich people who needed like a security guard. Like oh, okay. so, samurai class were this new class. So before it was probably like another soldier or whatever. Uh -huh. But imagine if you need someone to protect your land. Like oh, I have farmland and people are stealing my my animals or my things. Who are you gonna hire? This regular soldier who's been around for like 100, 200 years, or a samurai who you know is the big dick in Japan. And the samurai are the ones who are being trained the most because who is Japan's military? common folk the samurai now oh well, remember the yeah. samurai took over so now the samurai is the military so now you're like oh i'll just hire i'll just hire the samurai and it's just these rich people are just hiring samurais to become the bodyguards to, be, to protect their fucking lands to become to police cities so the samurai right hand right now they're just they're just prospering they're, they're having, thriving yeah they're and they're and they're thriving it's also 
a real important thing to understand regarding the samurai is that they were not special class warriors loyal to Japan. From the get-go, they're just to themselves. The samurais were the special sword for hire warriors whose loyalty lied to their clans and warlords, not the state. They made their living in battle. And a good way and a good way warlords and clans incentivized the samurais to be brave in battle was through a little thing called head taking. Huh? Head taking. Decapitation? That's this is how samurais were climbing would 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 ease would would, it would be an easier climb. How many heads have you taken today? Exactly. What? So the practice of removing and displaying the heads of one enemies, a practice that has long been around since before the days of the samurai, a title that was usually seen as an honorable position. Some samurais to some certain people that were not always like this, like loyal, royal class. Some they were seen as thugs or whatever, but it was a real common during battle for you to see two samurais duke it out in a fight to the end one-on-one with the winner removing the loser's head and presenting it to his warlord for payment. Damn. Through the art of head-taking, a samurai who had collected many heads would gain prestige and honor. And on the flip side of that, if you took a head of a samurai who had collected a shitload of heads, that would bestow you the winner, greater honor. Mm. So before the Gen- so before the Genpei War, lords didn't have the ability to promote samurais to higher social status and give them land for them to rule. So before 792, before the before the Minamoto clan, no one could give outside of the government land. Only the government would be able to give land to people, mm. right? But that all changed when the Minamoto clan won the civil war in the military in charge to rule the country. So once the Minamoto clan became Japan's military service, now they were the ones, now they were the military rule. Now they could choose, now they could do whatever the fuck they wanted. So now what they do, they would give land and titles to other samurais for them to rise up in the ranks. And the quickest way to climb the social ladder was to present to their lords their usefulness by presenting them with the heads of their enemies, samurais, prestigious heads. So remember, every, not uh, there, so the way sometimes this worked was armies had there weren't there were clans that were made of samurais, but not all armies were made up of samurais. Maybe there was a, a samurai general who was in charge of a regular army. So when two armies would go to battle, it would be samurai versus samurai. And if you took out their samurai, then that means that they had one less samurai to worry about. And then that's how you're like, all right, well, we just weakened the shit out of my enemy. So now bring his head and then make sure it's a real samurai. And now let me make you richer and more powerful. So now you can start controlling more samurais underneath you. Because back then it wasn't like, oh, there's going to be one, one big dick. Like, no, 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 there's enough. There's enough for everybody, mm. you know, but you just need to earn it. You need to show, you need to show that you are capable of doing it, of being able to be you know to fight in battle so like i said even serfs 
which were locals forced to work on the plot of the lords. Basically, in like kind of like indentured servants. Right, right. Even serfs. They were known to, to participate and become samurais themselves this way. So they find out that, let's say, for example, I'm in the Achi clan. I'm, wor- nice. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I am a serf. I am working on the plot of land that belongs to one of your samurais. Mm-hmm. Right? Your samurai owns the land, and I'm working on this plot of land. And I know this Achi clan beefs it with the Josh clan, right? And I know the jo- one of the Josh clan samurais is drinking somewhere or is at this little spot right now. Mm-hmm. I could go to the spot, kill the samurai, take his head, bring it to you, and you'll be like, all right, thank you. Now you beca- you're a samurai. Stop working. And I, let me give you your own spot. Let me give you your own thing because you proved it. Damn. So there was incentives for you to go out and fuck up your enemy. How many... How many samurai were there? I was trying. I was trying to look up. I was trying to look up that number. It it, it, it changed drastically because some people, some classes of samurai weren't considered samurai, so it's like this weird number. Mm-hmm. But during the head viewing ceremony, it was the responsibility of the samurai to take the head to ensure the pres- the presentability of the head he was presenting. So what the samurai would do is if you were gonna, for each head you were going to present. They would wash the head, comb its hair, and they would ahaguro it before presenting it. Ahaguro is an old ancient practice of blackening the teeth of an individual. And it comes from the amazingly gothic ass background of Japan back in the old, old, old days where they believed that pitch black things were regarded as immensely beautiful. So you're going to present this head the most beautiful way possible and it's the most gothic way possible. It's just a fucking cut off head. Fucking. He looks like Gore. Basically, imagine Gore from the Thor trailer. Black teeth. Yeah. They would then wrap the head in a white cloth and they would place it on, on a wooden display. Bearing the name on the samurai the head once belonged to as well as who took it. So you present it on a plate. It says his name and it said your name. Like, oh, Joshua Soria taken by Moses Soria presented to Achi clan. And he'd be like, oh, all right, cool. Damn. But like everything, the art of head taking was not perfect and had many problems and loopholes that many samurai exploited. For example, sometimes they would try to pass off a head of a foot soldier instead as of a high ranking samurai. Oh, they would say like this. This dude the, right the, here yeah. is the samurai. Yeah, this is uh, this is Josh. This this Josh the samurai. Thing. How do you know? <laughs> look, look at his face. Doesn't well, he not look like a Josh? Damn. Well, just believe me, okay? Just let me get my money. Yeah. Damn. Loopholes. Also, you gotta think loopholes. Also, some some samurai were known to dip the battlefield after they collected the head of a valuable army. That's they it. wouldn't continue fighting. They're like, oh, I. Cut off, cut off the head of the other samurai. Here's my prey. I'm out. Got Ooh, it. I'm, I'm, I'm out. out. I'm out. So I guess. Good luck, guys. Good luck, have fun. So I damn. Guess, so I guess you could say they were quitting while they were ahead. Ahead. Ha ha uh, ha ha uh, ha uh, ha uh, ha. That was pretty good. Though. That was pretty good. I see that. I see that yeah. was a joke in the book. It's not mine. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only. Jo- that was the only joke in the book, which is my source for today. 
It's called Japanese History. Explore the magnificent history, culture, mythology, folklore, wars, legends, and great achievements and more of Japan. I was this close to say, well, was- that went over my, my head. head. Ah, <laughs> you know what? I thought, I thought you were going to ah, bring ah. up the other book. But the head is all the jokes. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Which one? Oh, the, 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 the stupid... Has all the fucking 300 pages, but they only use like three. No, 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 not that one. Oh, the green book. The green book. Yeah, there you go. Zombie jokes. What the thumbs up, too. Funny jokes for kids. They got some good ones. Anyways, they do. They do. That's neither here. That's neither here nor there. And we took and we could talk about those things, those exploits, those loopholes on another episode. For this segment, let's just keep things rolling and let's talk about samurai swords. For a bit. Hell yeah. We hear about the katanas. Because let's face it. When we think of a samurai. The image is not complete without their badass samurai swords. One of the most iconic weapons ever. Like when you. There's rarely a weapon that you could see. And you think of a whole culture. The only one I could think of is the samurai sword. When you think of uh, the, the katana. You think of yeah. samurais. Uh-huh. Or you think of like a viking hammer. That's it. Yeah. I now, can't. I can't think of any other like weapon. Weapon that's closely. It's, you see tied the weapon. You're like, culture. that's from blah blah blah. Tom Cruise. What? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise, Last Samurai. That's what I think of. You know how many people fucking hate that how movie? How the fuck did he get into that movie, bro? <laughs> I don't they, know, dude. They went. Oh, there. They oh, went there. so they, many people hate that movie. They went there. It's a good movie, but it's like, why does it have to be the white dude? <laughs> Yeah. Who's a, who's, you know what I mean? They watched the. Anyways, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna watch it later. <laughs> but iconic as it was, did you know it was never the samurai's preferred war- weapon of choice? The what samurai they- sword is not a samurai's preferred weapon of choice. Now how the fuck do they cut off these heads? Can you guys guess what a, a samurai's weapon of preferred weapon of choice would be? If not a sword, a fucking no. dagger. Okay, dagger, a bow. Bow and arrow. Yeah. Alright. Did it? you know that the preferred weapon of choice was it's a gut. The gobbleman. The what? The gobbleman. Gobbleman? Gobble my nuts, Achi. Got him! Oh shit! What's the heaviest thing that's <laughs> But yeah, the samurai sword the a sword was not a uh, a then samurai's what, then what is it? Spit it out. It, it was there were <laughs> oh I'm gonna say it later in the episode oh but I'm gonna talk about samurai swords because that's the most iconic okay, weapon okay, we okay, think okay, of right. but it was not the samurai's preferred weapon of choice just trying to roast this right so the earliest type of sword produced in Japan was called the chokuto meaning straight sword and they were about two feet long and were worn on the waist this is the sword that existed long before the samurai but they fell out of use around the age of the samurai so before the samurai you would see a bunch of people with two two-foot swords and those are called the chokuto and then we have the wanto one of japan's earliest curved swords the sword started to appear around the year 300 and it's a bit smaller than the chokuto sword i just mentioned earlier versions of the wanto sword had the handle curved but not the blade but as time went on the wanto became a thinner and thinner sword until it was thin enough to introduce a gentle curve to the blade and then we have the tachi the great sword, along with the smaller Kodachi, they were introduced to a hundred they were introduced a few hundred years after the first samurai, with the Tachi 
being the two and a half foot foot sword. It was these great swords that really helped popularize the whole curved sword in Japan, as both of these curved blades were a hit on the battlefield as they were very easy to sheath, especially on horseback. So these weapon these swords were really, really easy for you just to take out and, and attack in once in one swipe. Also, these swords, these swords lasted a lot longer than most due to a technique called differential hardening, which made the swords a little more flexible. So now you had these swords that you could sheath out and attack with, and the sheath was considered the, your first your, your first attack. Like you don't sheath out and take your sword and hold it. You sheath out to attack as a surprise attack, mm. right? And now these swords lasted a lot longer. So the Dachi, which the which was this big, which the uh, this great sword, was such a hit that a more affordable version of it was made, and it was called the Uchigatana, which and this was this sword was given to foot soldiers and lower ranking officials, and it's right after this Dachi that the katana was introduced. So around the same time that the Uchigatana was being mass produced, the katana was then brought into the picture. This is the sword that we think of when we hear samurai. The katana was worn with the blade facing up, which made, which made it a lot easier to unsheath and fuck shit up. And like I mentioned earlier, the sword was not the samurai's first choice of weapon or their primary weapon. Weapons like the bow, like my brother said, or the pole arm, which is a spear, with a huge dagger at the tip, mm. those were preferred because you could use them at a farther range. The katana and their swords were only used as a last resort, like to cut off the head, or if they were fighting indoors or they were thrown off their horses. A cool, morbid, fun fact about the samurais Ooh. and their swords is that a samurai would sometimes test their swords on criminals during cutting tests. Damn. Most of the time, it was a cadaver that they would test their swords against. Right. But they were known to be used. They were known to use living prisoners that had been sentenced to death. So these swords, they would test against three bodies at a time. They would line up three people, shoulder to shoulder, mm -hmm. and they would sheath with one hit, all three, and all three would die. What if that shit was dull? Well, then you'd throw the sword back and you'd kill the sword with it and make another one. Freaking people are bleeding out to the... Ah! The swords... Yes, didn't cut through. <laughs> the sword's value was always based on its strength. So many young metal workers and smiths practiced their skill with sword making. Samurais needed the sharpest swords possible in order for them to achieve the ultimate end goal. Death by a single blow. <laughs> I feel like you're more excited on my segment than I am talking about my own segment. Why? Because you'll you know, find out why. You'll find out why. You'll find out why. Now here are 
some facts about one of the most, I repeat, one of the most brutal wars in history. This is Sparta! Highly disciplined and trained to be warriors from a young age. And I'm highly disappointed by that Sparta. Yeah, yeah. well, I was going to spike the fuck out of that goddamn mic that I decided not to scream. Spartans were Thank one you. of the most feared, you're <laughs> welcome, feared military forces in Greek world. At the height of, the, of, of Sparta's power, it was commonly accepted that one Spartan was worth several men of any other state and there's a reason why one spartan was such so spartans are greek and they are one of the most widely respected military cultures that has ever made its presence felt on earth didn't don't they even say that fact in the movie 300 one of my soldiers are worth 10 of yours i think they over exaggerate it for the movie but 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 yeah, yeah. they have the right idea yeah fucking zack snyder right movie 300 yeah yeah I kind of want to. I'm kind of scared to watch What's it. What's that? It wasn't really 300 people that went out there. Well, there's 300. Two went back. They got fucking. Uh, <laughs> it was 300, <laughs> but two of them went back. It was 298 that fought and died there. Uh-huh. The two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They had like fucking eye infection that were they they were like out in the back fucking yeah. of the of the forest. They had like eye infection. Yeah. And then they found out like the Persians were fucking attacking or some shit. So yeah. the 298 went and. Two of them stayed, yeah. and by the time they found out, it's uh-huh. like, oh, one of them went straight to the field. Yeah. Right? To oh, go fight and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other went back to Sparta. And if you go back and you're not dead you're or, or a victory, <laughs> you're a coward. But in the movie, Leonidas sends him back. Hmm? In the movie, Leonidas sends him back. Remember, yeah. it's his boy. He, in the yeah. movie, he sends him back, and that's who's telling him. Oh, it was a boy? No, no. It's, it's his boy. Like, that's his. Oh, like, his. Like, that, that's his God. man's. He's yeah. like, look, we're going to die. You have one eye. You're useless to me. Go back and tell the story. And the movie, you and the movie, because the movie starts with the narration, yeah. and the movie plays, and then at the end, spoilers, you find out that he's telling the story, and it's the dude he sends back to do with one eye. Yeah, yeah, that's his boy. That's his man's. Yeah. That's his man's. That is his man's. That's his man's. Should we just? Should we just? Did I just get out of it? I will give you your cue, all right, to to say what you want to say. All right, all right, just, <laughs> just wait, just wait. Okay, let me phrase some hold, some hold, cool stuff. Hold it. All right, so the iconic Spartan army was the brainchild of a legendary lawgiver named Lycurgus, who organized their culture and brought them to the prominence. Right, this is the fucker that was. Hey, this is why I think will make this. Our people better and the strongest words out there. Lycurgus referred to Sparta as having a wall of men instead of bricks. So the Great Wall of China for protection? Nah. He's I'm gonna have thousands of fucking rip murderous Spartans to be the protector. So the Spartans had a ruthless reputation around the ancient world. It is said, it is said, and it says a lot that their absolute efficiency in warfare is still so widely remembered till this day. But a reputation like that doesn't come easily. It doesn't. You know why, Achi? Why? Because all Spartan citizens were expected to be professional soldiers. And children were removed 
from their homes at the early age of seven to begin their training. Damn, since seven years old? Age of seven. You ain't starting Head Start. You started Spartan school, bro. That- and this is the cue where you, if you want to start the whole uh, reason why you were laughing okay. throughout the thing, throughout the segment. All right. So Spartans, they were known for their super homosexual acts with the. So they were uh, they were a super homoerotic army. So this is why you say his man's, his man, his man, his man. But before I get into that, when my brother says, well, when he said the reason why they were so efficient mm. is because they were taught to be warriors. Mm-hmm. They even said that in the movie Three Hundred when Leonidas calls out the other army, you. What are you? He's like, oh, I'm a smith. You, what are you? I'm an artist. You, what are you? I'm a parter. And he's like, Sparta, what are we? He's like, what? Oh, what is, no, it's like Spartans. What are we? They say, Spartans. Like, they're like, we're, we're warriors first. Yeah. Your army is like a standing army. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, like the army of, of Japan. Like, yeah. It's like you guys are only an army when they need it to be. Yeah, yeah. From eight to seven. Yeah. We're sucking we're sucking our boys off to make us not nervous to go into battle. And it's just something that they did. It's 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 a fucking ritual. Not it's just a thing. Like it makes it's it's, a way it's of funny. Spartan. It's funny when you think about it because every they're presented, you know, like the movie three hundred, huge buff dudes, you know, just yeah. going into battle fucking shit up. Yeah. And then for the longest time for taboo, homosexuality was seen as the most least manly thing a man could do, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the least thing like once you be once you start doing like homosexual things, yeah. Back in the it's it was once considered to be oh you're the, that's the you are not a man anymore. Yeah, but yeah. it it's funny to think that for the longest times when that thought was a when that train of thought was the thing, mm-hmm. and Spartans were thought to be like the manliest of men. The whole time, right before a war or something, they would have sex with each other to calm their nerves. If and it makes sense too, because like. If you're nervous, you're like, dude, I'm nervous. You don't want... If you're going to go into war, you don't want the dude next to you yeah, freaking out, nervous, overthinking shit. And basically what they would do is like, bro, you're nervous? You want some head? And he just blow his homie, blow a load. His homie's cool. Cool. Yeah. Now let's go fucking fight these Persians. And that's what they would do. That was your... Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, what? and early age right once they go into training and and they reach uh the next stage mm-hmm. when they're teens they have to pick a mentor like a veteran right okay smart and that's where most stuff usually occurs as well uh-huh. where you take this little this little future spartan yeah and for the most part sexual acts yeah will be performed stuff like that that we're, get, we're getting ready for when you get you out on the battlefield so spread them cheeks spread them cheeks spread them cheeks <laughs> I, I don't know if it went. I don't. I haven't really read into how far like it goes. The, how far it goes, or yeah. you know, maybe I don't know if it was like this, like sex. But it wasn't seen as like a like, sexual. Ooh, yeah, like ooh, yeah. yeah. It, it was just. It's seen the as, bonding. So yeah. so when you pick your mentor, it's it's like that's how you're gonna create that bond mm-hmm. and how you're gonna learn from him to become the best fighter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Now, it wasn't forced. It's not like you automatically have to fucking suck this my dick. In yeah. order to be no, no, but for the most part, it was very common. Though. Yeah, like it wasn't like, like oh, it what wasn't the fuck. Like that's like we see you make little Timmy do what? If you if you see someone doing that around, you're like, all right, cool. Like oh, the, the homies. Is that that's that? 
It's his turn now? All right. Good shit. It's Amen. the bond. It's the bond <laughs> ship. It's kind of like the whole yeah. pirate thing. You know how hey. the... What was it? Oh, I know. I the pirates, how they would go to the hey. bottom of the ship and they just smoke and drink and fuck each other? Some Rum. Rum. Yeah, rum. Some, something rum, and Becky. Yeah. Rum, 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 bum, and Becky. There you go. Rum and bum. It's rum called a rum, bum, and Becky where yeah. they're like, hey, what are you up to? Nothing. You want to rum and bum it? Rum and bum it? Fuck it. Let's go. Then you go to the bottom of the ship, smoke, drink, and then just fuck each other. Because you're out years at a time. Yeah. You, you ain't seen a lady in a while. Yeah, you see, you know, and then you know, your boy, you know, he's been eating a little more, you know, looking a little, looking a little thicker, a little plumper. Yeah, just our flag means that. But yeah, um, again, it was a force on, but it was it was common. That was common. It was part of it was part of it was culture. That was culture. There was one Spartan king at one point where. He refused. He he was called a coward because he refused to kiss a, a little boy. I forgot his name, but it's like a little pretty. They describe him as a little pretty boy. Yeah, and uh, he refused to kiss him. And he refused to to make out with that little boy. He was, he, was, he was like, like, "No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." And so they called him a coward. It's like, coward. like, how are you gonna refuse the love? Not like that, but you know, the the, the yeah, I guess the love yeah. of this pretty boy. Yeah, he's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, because like the like the way I see the. Sp- them that culture being is like there is like there the intimacy between two people has nothing to do with sex it's the bond that we're gonna build yeah right like the bond that like you know like things that you would do with your wife to you know because your wife you love her that's the kind of love you're gonna show your boy but not in like oh I'm, you know like it's like i'm i'm going to battle with him i need to trust him yeah. we we're we're close and it's, yeah. it's one of those things where like if you go through some traumatic experience with somebody uh-huh. you're always gonna have that bond and no one you that bond you're not gonna have with anybody else yeah yeah so it's like we're trying to build like this super close-knit community of warriors among us so like we're gonna do everything that we could possibly do what they're doing is them for them to build that camaraderie mm-hmm. that like boy like we are sticking to each other to the very end and sometimes with other cultures you're like dude that's gay like how are you want you want me to kiss this well this 13 year old boy bro whoa mm, relax and they're like what do you mean relax make out now call me a coward yeah and then they were like boo this man <laughs> they would kick him into a pit yeah damn it's like you don't kiss a boy we're gonna freaking kick him <laughs> to the tigers yeah i mean not tigers but being coward is uh, is a big no no in Sparta. So, are you done, Moses? I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna stop giggling about the whole? No, never. <laughs> okay, okay. Never. So, moving on. Pursuit of material wealth was discouraged by Spartan law. So coins were made out of iron instead of gold or silver. This made stealing very difficult because iron is heavy. Not only that, the value of it is like. Why would you make You go any any this was only valued in Sparta. So you oh, go anywhere okay. else, it's like, what the fuck is iron? Like what? Like it's it's a silver goat. Right, right. But they were like, no. But you can only trade within yourselves. Mm-hmm. Spartan. Yeah, it's like imagine if someone from like a different country, they're like, all right, we don't want we don't want to become greedy. So yeah. we're gonna our money's printed on toilet paper. Yeah. So with them, it's, it's it matters. But imagine someone trying to come over here, trying to buy something with toilet paper, you're like, the fuck get the fuck out of here. It was sometimes a just, What the it, fuck it, is this? Sometimes just just a, just a straight long iron bar. You're like, what the fuck is this? It's like it's like you're recycling. It's go, McDonald's, bro. We don't recycle here. You go to Seven Eleven with some pesos. How much is it? Uh, it's t- two bucks. 
basically. 20 pesos. And, which is pretty cool as well because being, you know, a little bit overweight or chubby was not an option in Sparta. Oh, no, 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 no. Can't be a fatty. Spartan warriors were expected to be strong and fit. And every 10 days, young men had to stand naked in public so their bodies could be fucking checked. They got to be chiseled and fit. Look, I could ignore the pedophilia. <laughs> I could ignore the man rape. But I will draw the line on body shaming. <laughs> How dare they shame my body? Damn, you had to go to a freaking a town center just so people could check you out. Just show offs. Just, just standing up, just deflecting. <laughs> Voguing. What do you think? Again, this is why they were considered right one of the most brutal. Right. They took that shit seriously. And, and, and warriors in in that time. Yeah, because they were, they were literally they a warrior were, class society. The sec, yeah. Yeah, the second you were born, you're you already fighting for your life. Yep, which I'll get to in a bit. I want to know if it's true. I'm pretty sure it wasn't if the, the throwing way. off the mountain thing. The handicapped children. No, yeah, that 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 was true. Oh, was it? Yeah, what? It, it wasn't tossed over the cliff as they fucking said in 300. Oh. What? Yeah. Well, since we're there, yeah. So when you were born, if uh -huh. there's any type of defects, yeah, yeah. that's visible, right? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they'll just leave the child abandoned. They would leave it on the, on the hillside. Now in the movie 300, they fucking chuck <laughs> those motherfuckers. I would have, I would have been, I would have yeah. been chucked really? over yeah. hell. Yeah. So either two things happen: the baby will die off a of cold, by die, or there's people passing, mm -hmm. and they'll take that baby and oh. or animal so, eater. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. Uh, who wants this? No. All right. Bro, I would have been, I, I would have been one of those babies that would have been chucked over the hill because I was born with my leg the other way. What? Yeah. I was born with my leg, because, like, I guess when I was in the womb, whatever, yeah. I, I was always be like, I don't know. I was born with my leg facing the other way. The and the doctors told my mom, like, oh, he's never going to walk, like, straight. My mom was like, fuck this. She had, like, this man-made boot made for me. Yeah. And it was my, it straightened out my leg. What the fuck? For, like, the first year of my life. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were like, he's never going to walk again. He's going to be in a wheelchair. And thing. I was like, no, 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 no. She just strapped me down in this fucking boot, and it straightened out my leg. So if you, I think it's my right leg. Uh-huh. If you see it, my right leg, like one of my legs still tilts a little to the side. Yeah. But yeah, I would have been one of those babies that were like, oh, Chuck. <laughs> I would have been chucked over here. That would have been my Spartan name, Chuck. <laughs> my heart would have chucked me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Chuck. Chuck. I also calling you Chuck. You just changed your game attack, Chuck. Now Spartan Chuck. <laughs> Now, for those who failed to meet the standards of the physical fitness, were fucking beaten. Right? Soldiers also had strict diets because they were focused on remaining physically. They were focused to remain physically fit as both a point of pride. Uh -huh. Right? If you're a Spartan, you're supposed to be 100% fit. And also, you want to be fit so you could avoid getting fucking beaten. What'd they eat? Dick. Minimum. Very <laughs> Minimum dick. Minimum dick. Dick. According to Moses, fucking dick. That was her hard diet. Uh, just like any other badass fucking brutal warrior class out there, losing was simply not an option for the average Spartan warrior. Their culture 
that revered in success on battlefield to an utmost unbelievable degree. Just like most said, similar to the samurai, Spartans were expected to kill themselves rather than surrender or face utter disgrace. Damn. Pride. Yeah. Die hard. Yeah, and like and like there's this thing where it's called you know it's Bushido. That's what the samurais would call it. Where it's uh-huh. like you would it's like the ultimate like Yeah, so like Bushido is like this moral code of the samurais, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the Bushido they have. Uh, there's the seven virtues of Bushido, and Bushido samurais were such a thing in Japan that the codes of the samurai kind of integrated into Japanese culture, and like mm-hmm. they had, like you said, like they would rather kill themselves than die, and that had, and you could, and that when that's a thing still in Japan, which is why they had the suicide bombers. In Japan, during World War II, there was these young kids who were willing to give their life for their lord. Like we're not like we are gonna do anything to win, and like which is what the United States. That's one of the. It's kind of crappy, but the United States is like, yo, we don't have that. Like, we're not motherfuckers that are that are that are that are gonna. They know their mission is to go kill themselves to take something out. Yeah. Like we, the Japan, the American army were like, when they found out about the Japanese bombers, they were like. Yo, good shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's that Bushido thing in them. Like, it's like that virtue. Of, like we're not like we're not gonna pussy out. Mm-hmm. You know, like my brother said, the Spartans were like the epitome of that. Hell yeah. Like, like no pussies in here, literally. Just all cock. <laughs> Keep running it. Keep running. Run this. It's Pride Month, bro. It's Pride Month. We got you know pride. You gotta be pr- prideful. In you. I'm not saying anything. That's what they were I'm doing. Not, I'm not. You, 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 you just. What? You're, I'm shining the light. You're grinning the light. You're smiling. You're well, because I'm happy that I'm sharing this information to the yeah. people that might have not known about these buff ass dudes sucking each other off before they go destroy whole countries and economies. You know what? Ima- I- imagine being killed by someone with cum breath. Horrible. <laughs> Any last words? Yeah, can you not breathe on me? Breath smells like cum. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let's let's pretty sure they smell ease down things. on talking about the males in Sparta. Let's talk about a little bit more on the female. What? Yeah. So, uh, most women, or all women in Sparta, were were had more freedom. Than any other females in other in other states, cultures in other cultures, mm-hmm. and here's some fucked up. But just like you say in the movie, right? Men, what are we? Right? We are Sparta, right? We're Spartans. We're warriors. Mm-hmm. Right? They had their job. Mm-hmm. The females had their job as well, right? And it was simply to give birth to warriors, mm-hmm. right? So if a married Spartan woman was childless, the government could order her to do something in our eyes to be fucking like what horrible right Mm -hmm. 
they could force her to see if another man could do a better job at getting her pregnant. So if she could, so she had a husband, a warrior who couldn't get her pregnant by law. That's if it's you or him. Yeah, yeah. So they'll bring another Spartan to see if he could get her pregnant. Women had little choice in the matter. As Spartan law was strict about encouraging new children since they had to keep, you know, replenishing the population of Spartan. Likewise, another law allowed childless man, a childless man, to request to request another man's wife if she had previously born strong children. So if I'm Spartan, I don't have kids by no Sooty Woo Woo wife gave birth to gave three. birth to two badass kids and say, okay, I could ask if I could if she could, you know. Yo, can I borrow her for a night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, basically. Does does that mean he gets to keep her as his wife? Like, no. uh, you're oh, it's just no. borrow. No. Just yeah. let me borrow your womb from. Yeah, yeah. Give birth. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like we just implant something mm-hmm. real quick. And you weren't. <laughs> and you weren't. For the most part, Spartans really didn't know how their wife would look for so many years, because it wasn't until the age of thirty where you could live with your wife. Really, and again, your your job right was, just, was strictly to be a warrior. Yeah. For the most part, all your hours were just spent on training. So, yeah, you, so there's certain Spartans that never like it took them a long time to be like, oh, this is what you look like, type of deal. Or before she was just bent over every day or something. Yeah, no, again, or they didn't uh, have kids it, until they were thirty. Well, they no, nah, they had kids. A little bit early on, but right. they couldn't live with their wives until the age of 30. Oh, okay. So they, right. they could have their family and stuff beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So they could get married and stuff, but it was like a weird tradition where it's like everything had to be dark. Uh, what? The, the bridemaids or whatever, they have to like shave their heads and wear like male fucking clothes and stuff until, you know, the fucking... Who's in charge of this they, whole part? It was thing? weird because... They did that to ease in the warriors because they really, they didn't know their way around, like women, like in the sense of seeing their beauty. Like it's like, oh, it was kind of, I was trained to kill, and you know have the camaraderie of just men all around. Uh Now that it's like, oh, this is something. Now you want me to be all caress you? Yeah, yeah. All I know is how to, you know, (laughs) (laughs) slang dick and take dick. Hell yeah. So. In the movie 300, the movie was depicted on one famous battle, right? Even though it wasn't a victory for the Greeks, right? It was used to hold up the heroism, their endurance, and the sacrifice of the 300 Spartans who fell holding off hundreds of thousands of Persians. Did you think that movie still holds up? Yeah, I think so. You think so? You want to try later on and watch it? I want to know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Twist his dick! <laughs> Twist his dick! Now, to end this, to conclude this, contrary to what 300 might have told you about the Spartan king Leonidas, he wasn't a man in his prime with the Scottish accent that the movie portrayed. According to historical sources, Leonidas. Was was said to have been an angry man, 
during that battle. Guess his age. Guess how old do you think Little Nice was when he was on that field by battle? I don't know, mid thirties? Mid thirties? Teens. Teens? Yeah, because you, you think Leonidas was a teen? The real Leonidas? <laughs> no. He was 18. He was in his late 50s. What the? Oh, so he was like legendary. He was, was legendary. He was a legendary. Leonidas? Leonidas. And the reason why they didn't. Well, it's kind of hard to give a 50 year old a six pack. Yeah. Kind of yeah. hard to make a. You know, unless you're like Idris Alba. How old is that man? He's in his 50s. He's 50. Yeah, beautiful. He's 50. That beautiful chocolate, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. He's 50? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That man is chiseled. <laughs> you know, <laughs> speaking of 50 or whatever, you know, we were talking about how, how Tom Cruise is really going to look, how he's always looked the same. Yeah. Yeah. And Maverick, when, when he first came out, I'm like, no, he looks like spoiled milk. He looks like he's like in his, <laughs> like in his late 50s already. Like, age caught up to that man real quick. Oh, Tom? He, Tom Cruise, because he always looked young. No, when he those... announced, when, when when the movie started, uh, well, prior to the movie. When he's not, oh, thank you for hey, watching. Hey, thank you for uh, this. Is cre- he looked extremely old there. You're like, oh, shit. But then even, and then even the, the close. Movie, he looked- well, there's a few close-ups where, like, like, oh, this dude's old. His face is, like, turning to the right. Like, everything's, like, turning. Like, oh, yeah. he's old. He's spoiling. But, yeah. So, he was in his mid-50s, mid, mid huh? Yeah, yeah. Right, so there you have it, folks. That is today's episode where we talk about old, legendary warrior classes. Hope you found some interesting, some interest, some interesting information that you might have not known about. Whether you know it's that samurai's the the, the samurai sword wasn't the preferred weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. Chinese invented grenades. They love explosives. They invented grenades, and you know. Spartan stuff. <laughs> you know, a bunch of buff dudes blowing each other. <laughs> Fucking. Hey, hey, you feeling all right? Yeah, I'm good. Sure. Are you sure? Are you sure? Want me to jerk you off real quick, bro? That's why they. That's why <laughs> they killed myself. Bro, that's why they had a fucking high victory rate. You know how powerful you feel after you, after you have sex? You feel unstoppable. Imagine when you look that good after you just nothing. You're like, dude, I could I could run through cities. And that's what they fuck they did. <laughs> Like, you ain't stopping me. Yeah, this man stayed in the fucking Spartan till mid fifties. I was taking dick for decades. <laughs> oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, very prideful episode. <laughs> um, hope thank- you enjoyed the dickings. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed all the dick talk. You know, it's Pride Month, and we have to bring it to you, Spartan style. <laughs> um, yeah, hope you guys, hope you guys, don't talk Warriors just won their fucking fourth ring. You know, it all makes sense why we're doing this episode. <laughs> I man. Do, man, I'm up, man. <laughs> You're not gonna upload it. To I, don't, like- I don't. I don't know if I would have been more upset if Boston would have won just because they took us out. Ah, uh, at least I could have said. Well, at least we lost to the champions. But then again, I don't want to lose to the Boston. Even though we did lose to Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we lost because of that stupid ass. Man, you know what? Thank you, guys. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, uh, you guys can find us on Instagram. Weird History Utils Pod. We'll try to post some of the homosexuality my brother talked about today. And see if uh, Instagram will yeah, let us. <laughs> Instagram will allow. Hey, yeah. we're, we're testing Instagram. 
Yeah, we can test our limits and see how, see how prideful they really are. Watch out, mm. fool. Um, and if no one has anything else to add, we are the Weird History. It retells pod. Hey, Josh, feeling nervous? Right? Shh, don't 